Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Commanders football is back. NFL is back. Look, we got some things to talk about. A couple things to talk about, man. I can't wait to get to it, man. The football season is back in effect, man. The Trap of Dive podcast is starting up right now. There it is. There it is. Let's get it. Welcome back to another episode of the Trap Dive podcast provided to you by 214 Media. I'm your host, Marley Maul, Jamal. Um, AJ is checking in shortly. Dre, uh, he has some family things to tend to, and he's going to be back uh, next week. Next week. Um, let's get through the administrative items right quick. And whichever way you are listening, always be sure to rate, review, listening or watching. My bad. Always be sure to rate, review, or like the show and like the show. If you are new to Chop or Dive, man, make sure you hit that follow button on Twitch. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube. It helps the show's growth, man. Look, we ain't that far away from 1K on, on, on YouTube, man. We could get the job done. We can get the job done. We ain't that far away from uh, 1K on YouTube. 1,000 subscribers, man. So let's try and make that happen. Um, I'm a woo. My bad. Almost choked on my liquor. Uh, I'm gonna put in the work on my side, man. Y'all meet me halfway. You know what I'm saying? Let's get that thing done. Um, if you are listening or watching on Twitter, always uh, keep in mind. I can't see your comments on on um on Twitter. Like the the connection or whatever is just different. So like, try to migrate over to Twitch. Or try to migrate over to YouTube, whichever platform you're comfortable with, all that good stuff. Last thing in the administrative items. Excuse me. The Washington Commanders Morning Show is coming to the Tropic Dive channel later this week. This Friday, the first show kicks off, but I'll be live each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube. So make sure there you go again. Make sure you get your commanders fixed with the Trap or Die podcast, and I'll be counting on your interactions, man. I'll have that show link in every show description so we can chop it up on whatever commanders topic you have on your mind that early in the morning. Hey, look, it's grind time, man. Y'all need to wake up. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm, I'm up at 430 every day. Let's, let's try and make something out of that. So, yeah, Chopper Dive, uh, Washington Commanders Morning Show, each and every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern. Let me get the boy AJ in this thing right quick. There it goes. I don't know why that oh, shit is dark as hell. Hell yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> How you I'm feeling, AJ? Coming. What's going on with you? I'm good, man. I can't complain. That's good. That's good, man. I know you said, uh, well, this past week. Well, no, nah, it wasn't that. It wasn't that busy. Never mind. I'm tripping. But I know you said you was busy one week, but that, I don't think that really got nothing to do with today. I'm over here bullshitting. How was your day, though? 
Uh, it's been cool, man. Can't complain. Just excited. We, uh, you know, about to get some live football action going in the in about twenty four hours or less. Hell yeah! Hey, when the um, cause I was just talking to somebody about the uh, the Hall of Fame game. Is that still on Sundays now, or did they move that to Thursday too? Uh, I think they moved it to Thursday, so that'd probably be. Is that next week? Yeah, I want to say it's probably it's, it's next week because uh, those teams started camp last week. Uh, fame game 2022. Trying to fix this camera. Um, yeah, Thursday, August 4th. Oh, bet. Hell yeah. Next week. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The Raiders and Jacksonville Jaguars. That's what I love to see, man. Because I knew they moved that zone from Sunday to Thursday, but um, I ain't, I ain't tripping no way, man. I need, I need that football back in my life. I don't care if it's goddamn preseason or goddamn flag football game. Give me some football. <laughs> <laughs> I need that shit. All right, all right. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and get through the agenda right quick. This ain't really about to be too long of a show. Um, there's a, a couple topics that we're going to touch on and. Um, Ron Rivera did speak late this afternoon, I believe, but um, I'm going I'm to try to find anything of note. Um, I've been on the move just like uh, a bunch of other people, so I don't know what he said to this point, but I'll, I'll, I'll check in as the show moves along and see if we can find anything of note. But three things or a couple things that we're going to touch on in particular, Carson Wentz, Chase Young, and bounce back years needed from several players uh, from the commanders this upcoming season. So uh, we have a couple quick hidden topics that we're going to tackle tonight um, to, to break in the training camp uh, era or period for the commanders in the NFL. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into that first topic, man. Carson Wentz is the biggest draw um, for everybody. Uh, quarterback position is the most important position and. For a lot of reasons, um, there's mixed reviews. I know what side AJ is on. I'm on the uh, formally. I'm put that out there. I am formally on the side of um, that. I do think that Carson can work in Washington, but in terms of what to what degree it varies. I think that he could be an above average player here. But let's get down to the nitty gritty and the specific question that we have tonight, AJ. And the question is, what? should be the top objective or two that the coaches need to have for their quarterback, their new quarterback, Carson Wentz, during this training camp period. What do we need to see out of this guy? What do they need to see in order to say, you know what? Um, I mean, obviously there's 17 games in the season now, but what do they say to say, you know what? I think I can trust him with X amount of plays or X amount of schemes <coughs> or X amount of concepts in our playbook. The floor is yours. What's the objectives from the coaches? I mean, I think the main objective is for him to trust his eyes and, and also trust the players around him, uh, being able to, you know, not try to play hero ball. Um, you know, that's that's kind of been his mentality since he's been in the NFL, probably the same thing that he did at, at North Dakota State. I didn't watch any of their games, so... <laughs> I don't know. All I can do is go based on what I've seen of him doing the NFL, which is it doesn't matter what type of talent is around him. He tends to force the ball into double, triple coverage, uh, 
doesn't take the the dump offs, kind of kind of want him to scale back a little bit, not necessarily be a game manager, but know when you can take those deep shots, when you can take those type of risks and be calculated in doing so. You don't need to take those type of risks every time you have uh, possession of the ball. Like you can ruin drives, you can ruin momentum, you can change the dynamic of the game by you know, putting your teammates out there to have to defend your mistakes that you're making. Because uh, so many times in evaluation of his tape and me actually being at games, even just last year, even in the past as an Eagle, you know, he's he's had a check man. Like, he'll have a running back in the flats or in the middle of the field. He'll bypass him to try to throw the ball 30 yards down, uh, down the field and triple coverage. And that's how you end up making mistakes. And also being comfortable in either throwing the ball away or taking the sack. I think that's one of the main objectives they have to get to him, number one. And then number two is, you know, being a leader, being able to, you know, get along with your teammates and and, and helping to rally the troops. Uh, you know, that's one of his uh, traits that haven't been really pointed out as being good. Uh, he has a lot of negative flack when it comes to that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, put the team in an opportunity to win some games, man, like, um, that's that's the key thing because I mean if you turn over the ball at a high clip and you know you buy into the system of really pushing the the ball down the field that much, uh, there's definitely going to be some risk and some reward to it. Uh, so you know I think that's really what they have to harp on. But at the end of the day, you know I feel like he is who he is. You can't really change that 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 player to be something else. It's kind of like telling Barry Sanders, don't try to, <laughs> don't try to, you know, create yards and, and have people miss tackles. Just run north and south. That's it. You know, some people have certain things in their game that you just can't take away from them. And that's made them who they are. And you just have to deal with those repercussions. So you brought up a good point um, in that uh, the the understanding of like the check down. And, I mean, it's, it's been talked about a thousand times, so I'm not going to talk about the history of that, but I think um, on a macro level, instead of talking about that specific thing, I think it's important to, to see that uh, Carson Wentz is understanding and understanding of what Scott Turner wants to get done with this offense. Like if he understands that, you know, we want to press vertically we want to make sure the defenses respect our space, respect our, our playmakers on the field uh, so we can try to open up anything underneath, whether it's um, screens, whether it's quick screens, whether it's uh, pa uh, running back uh, rushes, excuse me, rush attempts, uh, trying to clear out that box and things like that. So um, it's a mix of whatever, but just understanding that Carson Wentz knows what Scott Turner wants to get accomplished and making sure that they're on the same page. I think training camp is going to be that important for them because – and also, before I even continue um, to that part, I think that Carson Wentz is in a situation where actually game reps, preseason game reps is, um, while it's not that important, I think it's important to get on the same page with some of those players that he's going to be uh, working with throughout the season. So um, I, I think while you're not going to necessarily do a game planning throughout the preseason, I think that when you understand who you're working with, getting the feel for these guys and the in-game action, getting your feet wet in a sense. Um, I, I want to see, or I think the top objective for the coaches is understanding that Carson at the very least 
knows what we wants to get done we're on the same page in that regard and that i trust carson i fully trust carson at this point moving forward that i can bring something to the table and carson wentz is going to say you know what coach i appreciate what you got going on we're going to get this job done uh based on you know how you dial it up um so i, I think that's probably the most the, the the top objective because obviously we know about the hero ball right and that's kind of where i was alluding to like the hero ball is something that's been a narrative too and uh the way he trying to he kind of he, he plays the game is is phasing out what the coaches want done um and that's that's kind of the emphasis of understanding what scott turner wants and what he wants to get done in this offense and understanding that having these playmakers is okay you don't have to hold the ball for X amount of times, X amount of seconds in the backfield, in the pocket. You don't have to do that. So um, the top objective should be making sure that Scott Turner is comfortable with him and he can trust him moving forward. Um, Willie T, I, I, you could, I, you could hold on. I was, was going to make sure I, I checked in with Willie T. That's all, man. I see you, big dog. I hope all is well with you, my boy. Uh, appreciate. Oh you yeah, that's in. my. Yeah, go ahead. That that's that's my family, man. Uh, crazy. My mom and his dad actually uh, grew up together in Liberia <laughs> and oh, uh, work, work, work together growing up as well. So today's my country's independence day. So happy 26, bro. <laughs> but, um, I didn't even know but that. yeah, I, I know Willie, T. he, he the one that gave my first, my first, uh, um, blogging spot, like, uh, space, space, to do some writing and stuff. Yeah. On my mind doing sports, man. That's what's up. Wilson top pay my man. So, uh, yeah, but I think what you actually mentioned about preseason is so important. I think, uh, this regime has tried to play it so safe and in the in the preseason that you actually need your quarterback to get some reps. If Tom Brady is playing into the third quarter in some preseason games, why the hell isn't Ryan Fitzpatrick or whoever your quarterback is, you know, in any team, not even just Washington, but especially with Carson Wentz, like you're not going to really get a better understanding of him with this dynamic group until you put in live reps where he can actually be sacked. He can actually get hurried and has to get off script, things of that nature. So I'm hoping that they don't go into this offseason and pre well, not offseason, but I'm hoping that they don't go into this preseason and try to limit the amount of snaps that he has in, in, in games. Cause they try to do that with Ryan Fitzpatrick and you see, yeah, he played limited snaps um, in week one because of the injury. But even in the preseason, he did not look good because there was, no, good. there was no there was no rhythm, good. nothing. Nope. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I and think I it's very important that he yep. that Carson Wentz plays at least two of those games, and now it's three games. So at least two of those games that he needs to play. I like, specifically remember quarter. that conversation with Doc Walker, and I don't know if it. I know, I think Dre was on. I, I think all three of us was on. I hope all three of us on. But I, I remember a conversation I had with Doc Walker, bro. And the, one of the questions I asked to your point about the offense, I said, I said, bro, I have seen this a thousand times before, like in my head. So I'm like, there is no way in hell that people are going to sit here and tell me it's just preseason, like they're going to bounce back. I have not seen this offense convert to third down. I have not seen them uh move the sticks uh move the chains in the red zone i have not seen any sense of chemistry with these guys and i asked Doc walker i said bro do you have any issues or concerns with this offense in their lack of production or lack of uh efficiency in the preseason and we got the and it's not on doc it's just this the common sentiment with everybody <laughs> and the man said bruh 
it's just preseason. I'm not concerned about these guys at all. And I'm like, yeah, bro, I, I didn't see, I didn't seen it too many times. <laughs> and what happens? What happens week one, AJ? <laughs> these guys come out and look just as stagnant as they did in the preseason, and it continued on throughout the season until they found some type of rhythm. Um, to whatever extent that was, they still were like bottom third in the NFL. So I, I to your point and, and to that story, the I think preseason is important, especially when it comes to new pieces on offense like or a defense. You have to get a chemistry with these guys. And even though people say <clears throat> practice reps are just important in training camp, I, I I understand that. But game reps are important too, because you're playing against new people and you never know what the people across from you are capable of and what they're trying to game plan and what they're trying to work. So to yeah, your point, hundred percent agree. Plus, on top of that, even for Scott Turner, man, like he hasn't been calling plays for a long time. So he needs that repetition of, of getting in the groove and understanding Carson Wentz and the art of calling plays. You know, it's not just about dialing up plays, but it's about strategizing and, and being steps ahead and, and, and getting those different nuances. It's not like in preseason they're just playing man and that's it and they ain't doing nothing. This ain't Pro Bowl, you feel me? It's dudes out there trying to make a team, especially with – you know, a, a, a game taken away in the preseason. It's dudes really out there trying to bust their ass and, and bust your shit. So you got to be on point. So that's why I feel like the reps is so important for Carson Winston, this group, Jihad Dotson, even Curtis Samuel. Like, you can't be scared about what could possibly happen on the injury side of things. You really got to take the risk and, and push the envelope in and see what you can dial up and get them some confidence offensively because this is also a new guy that they're unfamiliar with and you want them going into week one feeling like, okay, okay. Like <laughs> we, we see you could push the ball downfield or, or get creative outside the pocket. Now, do you have any, uh, do you hold any merit to the conversations or the, the murmurs? Um, it's been like maybe a day or two now, but do you hold any merit to, these conversations that Jahan Dotson may be the the one that comes out the gate quicker or has the better season, excuse me, than Terry Terry McLaurin. Like, how does that translate to for two things? How does that translate for the player himself and Jahan Dotson? But uh, what what do you from from at least from your perspective and your profession, right? How do you yeah. kind of understand come to understand like the the importance or the relationship between the the receiver and quarterback throughout the off season? And knowing that Terry McLaurin missed so much time with Carson Wentz compared to Jahan, who's a rookie and has from March until uh, this point in time of the offseason or well, the start of the season to really work with Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal or it's going to be that much of a difference. I think training camp will allow Terry to catch up so much further than than what he could have in OTAs and minicamp with Carson Wentz. Um, I just don't think that it matters that much. Um, I think there should be some media hype and fan hype around your first round pick, no matter if they play guard, fullback, wide receiver. So that's all good and dandy, you feel me? I think uh, one of the main reasons why Washington took Jahad Dawson is he reminded them as far as even characteristics on the field and off the field was of Terry McLaurin. So, I mean, you want to hear those good things coming out about him uh, but at the end of the day, to just sit here and say this rookie coming in is going to have a better season than the guy we just paid, what, $24 million to? I can't remember Terry's contract. is is yeah. asinine. Like, 
the fan base at one point was so mad that they even took Jihad Dotson <laughs> at the pick that they did. And now people are sitting here going to tell me that he's going to have a better season than Terry McLaurin just because of some OTAs and a minicamp that, that Terry missed. Nah, it don't, it don't work like that. At the end of the day, man, just hope that your quarterback shows up and, and gives these guys opportunities, whether it be the Terry McLaurin, the Jihad Dawson, Curtis Samuels, Cam Sims, Diami Brown, and, and those running backs, Robinson, Gibson, and McKissick, opportunities to get creative with the ball, get some, get some yak, different things, and just hope for explosive offense. I mean, when's the last time you really seen an explosive offense in Washington? Six years. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think people should be sitting here thinking Jahad Dawson is going to have a better season than Terry McLaurin. If you really believe that, then we have an issue. <laughs> hey, uh, well, look, you it never, you never know, bro. Like that, the the um, the eyes that that some that some people have had at, at camp. Um, excuse me, I, I hate when I say that at at OTAs and off season uh, practices. Uh, you know they 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 like what they see. Uh, I mean, you you went to with, you went to an OTA with, um, like I ain't you went to that, OTA I went one time. I went one time. But I mean, in the day that you was there, you was like, "Damn, he gonna be better than Terry McLaurin during the season." Oh no, I ain't say that. <laughs> I, hell no, I ain't say that. I ain't say that. What's going on, Anthony? Rated Armstrong, check that man, Anthony Armstrong, the good man. Congratulations if you're still in here. Congratulations on your your podcast. Um, I know. Uh, I think I listened to you on the Burgundy Zone and come to understand about the your new podcast. Congratulations. Uh, and, and, and I'm happy that you're in this space now. You can talk all Washington. I'll be sure to look for it. Now that you popped up, it, it, it refreshed my memory. I'm going to go check you out uh, and, and try to listen to, to what you got going on over there uh, i don't remember exactly where but I, I follow you so i can just find it <laughs> i can find it that way but congratulations on your podcast congratulations on everything that you got going on big dog again appreciate you checking in um yeah man it's it's, it's an interesting conversation with carson Wentz and john um but just carson Wentz in general too like do you let's put it this way i i don't want to i don't want to like harp on rumors and and things like that so i'll just ask you on a scale of one to ten um versus like do you think he can or do you think he can't um on a scale of one to ten like to what degree do you think he'll he'll be able to step up in a leadership role for the washington commander's offense um under understanding his history in the context with that but like what do you think his uh his leadership ability is with this this unit like do you think that this can be a a possibility where it, um, whatever opinions there was about him, um, like a, a new situation in which like the pressure isn't all on him. Like there's a, there's a place where he's wanted. There's a place where, you know, they want to work with him. Is this something where you think that he can thrive in an environment where it's not necessarily solely focused on, um, Carson, I need you to do everything for this team. Like, I'm, I, I, I guess I'll just go from there. I would, yeah, think? I mean, I, I think, I think it really boils down to wins and losses and his role in those wins and his role in those losses. Like, I think if he goes out there and he balls and he gets guys involved in the game, uh, you know, he makes some plays downfield or the smart play, uh, 
gets creative outside the pocket and, and doesn't make bonehead mistakes like what we seen even just last year with the Colts where he's in his own end zone and, and tossing the ball up for grabs for pick six with a minute 24 left on the clock <laughs> of the game, you know, trying to go down and win or, you know, throwing in the triple coverage on first down in the fourth quarter with limited minutes. Like those are the things that he can eliminate from his game that can help him in the locker room. If he wins any balls, like people will gravitate towards him. Uh, you know, I don't even really think it has anything to do with his personality per se, but if he balls out, people going to be like, that's that's my quarterback. I rock with him. Like he he's doing his job. I mean, we've seen how some people in the team rallied around Taylor Heineke and he ain't do shit. <laughs> you feel me? And and he just put up mediocre numbers. So if Carson could put up uh above average numbers and, and win games on the offensive side of the ball, I think his teammates on both sides of the ball have no choice but to rally around him. So I just say point blank win, man. Be productive and you know, don't play scale back some of that hero ball. It's, it's cool to be a gunslinger. Don't get me wrong, but when you out there just <laughs> throwing up, throwing up punts, fuck it, yeah, fuck it, <laughs> yeah, we got a problem with that. So I got you. Um, okay, so let's get into the next topic, ladies and gentlemen. Chase Young. Um, let's hear from you all. That's here. Um, let's 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 see what y'all got to say about Chase Young. What are you all's expectations for Chase Young and his return from injury? Y'all talk to us in the comments, in the chat, uh, whenever you're listening. Let us know what are your expectations for Chase Young and his return from injury. AJ, I'm gonna hand it to you first on this one. Uh, what are your expectations, yours for Chase Young uh, and return from injury? Obviously, too, should have mentioned this. Um, in, in, in terms of recent news and updates, we do know to this point that uh, Chase Young, and let me actually bring up all of these uh, tidbits right quick. Let me see if I can pull them quickly. Actually, it's on my profile. Uh, here we go. Yep. Tyler Lawson, Chase Rulie, Logan Thomas, and Chase Young are all, are all starting the training camp on the pup list. Um, so physically unable to perform, they're starting off there. So Chase Young isn't even um, playing or active right now. But uh, obviously, assuming when he comes back, if if he comes back to start the season or if he comes back in the middle of the season, uh, the floor is yours, AJ. Uh, what are your expectations from Chase Young uh, as he when he comes back from injury? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard because even when he was healthy. Uh, I don't think we really got to see a full scale of what this defense can be with the right scheme. Uh, so, I mean, my expectation when he comes back is, you know, I think he's going to start off a little bit slow because uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is Chase's first injury, like major injury in his, in his football career overall. Uh, so, you know, he's going to have to get back to trusting his knees, trusting his, his strength, his speed, all of those things. Um, you know, I think it boils down to, you know, just relying on his technique and maybe he's tweaked up some things with counter moves and whatever the case might be. But I really don't I really don't know what to expect from the defense overall because it is being led by Jack Del Rio. Uh, I think he's washed. So it's kind of hard, like, for me to get excited about that because even when, you know, 
Chase was healthy and the rest of the guys were healthy and they had the depth at, at D-tackle with Ionitis to settle. You just really didn't see them get after it like you would hope for. Uh, put aside the fact that first round picks, whatever, because that doesn't, there's more guys in the league that are day two picks and day three picks that make up these rosters than first round picks. I just think that the scheme just doesn't really help for me to predict what someone could do. And then when you get guys like Booger McFarlane saying the guy coming off a torn ACL is going to have 20 sacks, like it, it's like a sabotage. It's Bush, it's Bush League for, for someone on a major platform in their nature to say that of a player like coming off of an ACL. We don't even know if he's going to be ready for week one. You so talk he about did 20 sacks. He, he put the caveat in there in terms of like if, if he was coming off fully healthy, like to start the season, but even still, but um, yeah, what 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 from any film that you watch indicates that he's gonna have twenty sacks? You feel me? Like yeah. it's just insane. But yeah, I think it really boils down to how Jack Del Rio calls his defense, and if he's truly adapted to what his players do best and the position that they put him in, because there's there's gaping holes that the depth of D tackle. Um, there's also holes in the, the cornerback depth. There's also still the same looming questions about the linebacking court. And all these parts work hand in hand. Are we going to see more zone? Are we going to see uh, more man? Like, I, I have no clue. So until until maybe week one, week two, probably be able to give a better idea of what Chase is going to be able to do within this defense and also Sweat and the rest of the boys. My expectations is is pretty moderate with Chase. Um, I I think if he was coming coming back from anything upper body, I would probably be uh, more direct. But moderate, I think is 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 fair for me when you're, he's coming back from an ACL injury, um, and and understanding that he also came back from an ACL injury like mid mid or late November. Um, sometime in November for sure, but mid to late November, something like that. So yeah. understanding like what his injury is, when he sustained the injury, and the typical timeline to come back from it, um, and then the typical timeline to to feel a hundred percent again is, is something that's also talked about. That's that that's not talked about. I mean, but I, I also think like in football too, guys is never one hundred percent either. So. So no, when I say yeah, I I understand that. I'll say when I say feel one hundred percent, I'm saying okay. like. To the point where you're He's comfortable trusting, coming off the yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, that part, that part. Um, so for me, when it, when it comes to Chase Young and expectations coming back from his injury, um, I actually think Colin, I, and I'm glad I pulled that up there. I, I appreciate you checking in. Um, is is more so understanding the science of football, um, and understanding the science of responsibilities as well. Um, I don't. Somebody asked me today. I think. Um, if not yesterday, like what are we seeing with that front, that front seven, that front four, uh, defensive line? Oh, it was yesterday. I remember it now. Okay. So he had asked me, like, I, I was, I was talking to him about, uh, the commanders and Chase Young in particular. And I said, when people tell you, or when the media tries to tell you that Chase Young uh, because it's the common name that people assume that Ron Rivera was talking about in the his pressers, his post game pressers, his his uh, 
uh, training camp pressures about maturity and uh, people not playing within the scheme. It was not just Chase Young. And I showed a clip against the, the Atlanta Falcons where we was in a five-man front, five-man defensive line, and um, uh, uh, they were playing. They were they were going up against the Atlanta Falcons, obviously, and they were doing reach blocks uh, in a sense. I think it was a zone. It was a zone run to the outside, like a wide zone run. I think they used the toss play in in particular. But uh, uh, Deron Payne is playing the, the nose tech, uh, the nose tackle, zero technique. And the first thing that Deron Payne does off the line, obviously, when you play that two gap front, AJ. You uh, or, or when you play zero tech, you have that two gap front, you have two gap responsibility. He has both a gaps, he has double a gap responsibility. And the first thing he did <laughs> when when they ran the play at the snap of the ball, he vacated his gap to try and make a play in the backfield. And that's so. So, when I put that play out there, the response was like, Is that on Sam Mills? Who is that on for somebody to, to respond like or to play like that? And it and again, when I showed that one clip, it was multiple plays. Like I've seen it, I've seen it from Matt Ioannidis before. I, before I put that clip out there, I seen it from Deron Payne before that play. Before I put that clip out there, and Chase Young yeah. did the same thing, and I, I understood that. But I only say that to say that defensive line, in in totality, had moments where they all played for themselves, trying to make a play and not playing within the scheme, but also not even identifying the proper uh the run blocks that they were up against like you have to understand these things you have to understand how to defeat a reach block you can't play selfishly and when you vacate a gap as big as that was you better be glad that cole holcomb um and kendall fuller made a play for you and montez sweat to that degree i mean excuse me jonathan allen because these guys saved uh one play from being a potential 30 yarder because deron Payne vacated his gap so in all i say all that to say expectations for chase young i want to see the gap integrity i do want to see a rush plan an improved rush plan because it's not just him again when i go back to these guys these edge rushers they're majority power like they don't really have the hand movement the use of hands to really uh uh show some expertise and and, and it's kind of good to see chase young do those uh have those those practices or those sessions with von miller because von miller is a more complete pass rusher he's able to beat you with speed he's able to beat you with power but he also has hand moves to kind of counter the offensive lineman and it's interesting to see that meeting and hopefully chase young can implement something from their lessons or their 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 sessions and and, and moving forward with his game but i just want to see him with gap integrity and a rush plan the plan is yeah. important um and if you can if you can get him with a rush plan uh, and and have him not vacate or 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 just simply uh abandon his his rush lanes i think you're in good shape to begin with because it's showing that he understands the science of football and he's trusting his teammates to make a play as well yeah i mean i think you know i've seen the clip that you posted and of course i watched the games i think it's a combination of the two with jack the real scheme and what he's asking of them and sam mills just implementing what is being asked of jack del rio that's why i said i feel like we're never going to see the full potential of this defense until they bring in a different defensive coordinator that can be a bit more innovative with, with these guys. Uh, a lot of times when we speak about Jack Del Rio's expertise at being a D coordinator, we focus on that Denver Broncos crew that had Aqib Tlaib, uh, Bradley Roby, 
uh, Chris Harris, Darren Stewart, um, TJ Ward, Von Miller, and, and other guys, those are <laughs> those are above average players, most most of them. And especially at the corners, you you just name three athletic corners that also know uh, the game in and out, high football IQ. After he left Denver, his defense that he's called, whether it be as a DC or head coach, had been shit. <laughs> and it's continuing here. And I just feel like they're just doing what they're what they're being taught to do. Uh, and that whole defense had issues, whether it be the corners. You've seen William Jackson looking confused uh, for majority of the season until after the bye, things adjusted. You've seen how they didn't use Landon Collins properly, uh, just a bunch of things. So that's why it's kind of hard to sit here and predict what production Chase will have because I just feel like they're not even being utilized in the right the right type of scheme and system because uh what Warren Sapp came here what was one of his messages about the D line he was saying that they needed to play Maybe more they they need to play together and was was he focusing on two gap I can't remember what he exactly said but he oh, said something about the, the gap and tech yeah he was he was speaking about the gap integrity. Yeah, speaking about the uh, gap integrity and you know just playing as as a unit because at the end of the day, if the communication is not there, then how can they really all play together? And that's where I thought they was gonna <laughs> upgrade at middle linebacker to kind of get the guys aligned together uh, correctly and and reads and, and calling these plays. But you know that didn't happen. You're bringing back the same exact staffing. And we're sitting here expecting different results. It's kind of hard to bring back that same failing team and expect something to happen differently. Like, what's going to change with their mindset and their their ideologies when it comes to the game of football on the defensive side? It's a pack. If y'all are going to hunt together, y'all will eat good. But the lone wolf dies. No wolf eats by himself. But the pack, you don't want it nowhere near you. Um, the worst three words in football are we got it or I got it. You ain't got shit in this game. You better work on it. Um, so uh, let me see what else. Let me see what else. Let me see what else. Um, yeah, that's it. But Sam Mills did have a comment. He just mentioned um, on focus areas of improvement. Um, he said that maturity, growth, and understanding of the system is something that he wanted uh, his guys, his unit, to focus on. So, um, yeah, that's that's what Warren Warren Sapp had said uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, in mini camps. Okay, uh, I did forget what the hell I was about to follow up with. Um, with the oh yeah, Jack Del Rio. So you mentioned Jack Del Rio a few times, and you're your response about Chase Young and expectations and uh, statistical expectations as well with Chase Young. Uh, AJ, let the people know as we head into the season, as we head into training camp, um, why is um, Jack such a – I mean, I know you kind of outlined it, but I, I want you to like – because we, we were more so talking about the defensive line and uh, that's what the primary focus on. But why is – do you think that Jack Del Rio is somewhat <coughs> of a problem? Like, in, for example, in the spaces you mentioned that you think that they're playing the wrong 
scheme up front? Like you think that this is a two gap defense and not a one gap defense. Uh, what are some of the things that you think are is bothering you uh, from saying that Jack Del Rio is actually uh, uh, doing a good job here in Washington? Yeah, I mean, I just think that there's no innovation. There's no, I don't think they run enough stunts. Um, I don't think that they get creative enough with their ends as far as uh, Sweat and, and Young switching sides and, and, and giving the, the offensive line different looks. Um, I just feel like guys aren't really being put in their best position. I don't think they blitz enough either. I think they don't blitz. I, I, I'm curious to know the analytics on how many times they blitz in the season compared to teams around the league on the defensive side of the ball. But they didn't blitz enough. Uh, I feel like if you knew that Jamin Davis, for example, couldn't take on the blocks at middle linebacker, use him as a blitzer. He's he's pretty athletic. He can get after the quarterback. You know, I think too many times he relied on the front four to get to the quarterback. And instead of being creative and helping out that pass rush and the guys on the back end, he just continued to just have the front four try to get after the quarterback. And it's many times that we've seen nobody got home. <laughs> because these guys are just they're just especially the tackles they're they're just pushing up front and, and getting really no movement there's no there's no execution behind it they're literally just not doing any moves anything of that nature no stunts uh i just feel like uh you know with jack del real if he can get out of the way of being stubborn and, and being creative and understanding what his guys do best that can make the defense better but I mean, I don't really know that much has changed from talking to guys on the team <laughs> that play on the defensive side of the ball. They said they're doing the same exact thing from last year. So if there's one thing I would push back on, um, push back on in, in that, not that your conclusion is wrong, but I think that your your uh, the misstep was in the analysis in that, uh, they don't run enough stunts. I think that they do run some stunts. Enough would be up for debate. I, I don't think. I think I, I'm still on the side that I don't think they ran enough. But I do notice because um, I, I just about two or three weeks ago I just started trying to learn specifically about Del Rio's defense versus like the the film that I'm watching across the league. Um, they, I don't. I would have to dig further into it, like and watch every single stunt but I don't think that these guys even are even that good uh, in terms of um, being able to work together to complete the stunts and, and twists in the line games. I don't think they they were always on the same page. I don't think that they executed I mean, if you ain't, if you ain't in getting, a timely manner. If you ain't getting reps at doing it, it's hard to be good, you know? Like, oh, hold on. All right. Well, look, you can I mean, practice, practice these things, AJ. You, know you can you can practice them, but that means that means they're not even practicing them to even implement within the game plan for the week. So, like, I mean, we're talking about guys. I can't really say Monta Sweat, for example, because he went to Michigan State. You're talking about Ron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Chase Young that came from the best D-line coaches and systems in college football overall. They've done everything. They've run so many different – types of, of defensive fronts and, and stunts and all these things. I just feel like we didn't see enough of that. Um, I just, I, I don't, I didn't really see too many corner blitzes. I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of blitzing overall. 
even when they knew the pressure wasn't getting home, you still didn't see him adjust and say, hey, let me send more guys. Like, you you watch you watch more of this film back. Uh, me, I watch some of it back, but, like, I look at the games live, and I'm just seeing what I see with my eyes. I'm not seeing a lot of blitzing. I'm not seeing stunts. I'm not seeing opportunities to maybe get, get Chase Young on a guard instead of going against a tackle and, and maybe Allen or Payne switch off. Like I'm not seeing those things. Yeah. And I, I would say, I would say this much, like I do say, you know, I mean, I watch, but it's always important to say like, unless we're professionals, it's, it's still subjective. Like, but just, just like, as long as you watch film and, and you trust what your eyes are saying, if you come to a conclusion, it is what it is. But I do acknowledge that film is subjective. I, I do trust my eyes is where I'm getting at. And what I say, like, in my response, I think, I un, well, excuse me, I do understand what you're saying, AJ, but I think my conclusion is it's not all, it's not when it comes to specific line games, specifically that. I don't think it's all a Del real thing. I don't think it's all, and actually, to be honest with you, I don't think it's all a Del real thing, but I think the question can come up, like, how can Sam Mills uh, identify the flaws and why these stunt games, why these line games aren't always cohesive enough to get the job done. Now I did post some on, on Twitter that, that were successful, but I think I, I didn't show for obvious reasons and I should have done it, but I didn't show for obvious reasons, <laughs> the bad side, um, uh, of, of why or, or why most of these weren't, or why most of these weren't really getting home. Um, but to, and, and that's kind of where I'm getting at is just saying that, uh, it wasn't all the Del real thing when it comes to specifically line games um, and, and trying to get these guys free. I do think it's a good idea, but I also think that there can be um, something up front that we don't understand. Maybe it's the defensive line coach that's not communicating well enough, um, maybe not teaching well enough, but it also may be the fact that these guys simply aren't accepting or understanding the timing and the importance of being able to be a crash man and, and being physical. I know uh, Matt Ioannidis wasn't physical enough when he was the uh, the crasher. Um, I, I don't even remember seeing many times where he was the looper. I know Deron Payne was. I know the edge rushers were. But in terms of a crash man, um, like some people weren't necessarily uh, that receptive to, to to knocking down the defense, the, the offensive lineman who they're supposed to crash into. So. Um, I know we're being real technical with this and, and I'm being real technical with this, but I do think that uh, my, my overall point is more so about um, the personnel, but also uh, the position coach in this regard. Like, I think that we need to understand uh, how it's being communicated and also um, what is the gap in terms of communication versus execution. But I don't think that's a coordinator thing. I ain't going to lie to you on that one, AJ. Yeah, I, I really wish that uh, we could have had them on Hard Knocks. I think that would have showed a lot. Like, uh, of course, like I had my conversation with certain guys on the D-line, but if we could have get that, if we could have got that glimpse in the Hard Knocks to see how Sam, Sam Mills is as a coach, uh, that would have been amazing uh, to get that type of content. Maybe they'll add Washington as a team for end season. Yeah, because, I mean, I think that would be – that'd be key for the fan base and just a lot of people to see how they're going into the weekly game plans and coaching staff. Cause I mean, I took, I took away so much from even like the Colts doing their in season aside from, you know, 
working with a guy on the Colts and representing them. And I could just see the disconnect between the defense and, and what was going on with like the D-line coach, the D coordinators. You could just see that they weren't putting guys in their best positions to truly succeed. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping for that just as a little tidbit. Hey, you're not the only one. I heard some people talking about it actually earlier today in, in the Twitter spaces. By the way, um, for people on YouTube and, and Twitch, if you're listening, and and the podcast platforms, <clears throat> Apple, uh, whatever, Spotify, whatever, uh, be sure to make sure you follow AJ and myself on Twitter uh, if you ain't doing so because uh, we are starting to use the spaces as another uh, medium to just chop it up with everybody um, and have these these commander conversations. Um, so make sure you're following us on social media, on the Twitters, um, and stuff like that because uh, those spaces do be <laughs> on the Twitters. On the Twitters, I started old. This sounded, this sounded old as uh, on the Twitters. <laughs> on Follow the Twitters, us on the Twitters. <laughs> on the Twitters, man. Make sure y'all do that uh, for us, man, and and and. and and check us out on those side because uh, those do be jumping, man. And we're going to try to find a way to 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 uh, to, to broaden, I guess, the the audience there and, and have more engagement that way. So, uh, yeah, YouTube, Twitch, make sure you follow us on Twitter as well. Um, but I said that to say I don't remember what the fuck my point was. Um, but let's transition <laughs> to the last subject, AJ, uh, and get up out of here, man. Um, the returning player that has the most pressure on him to step, step most pressure on him to step his game up, um, and, and to to get the ball rolling in terms of think uh, or players. Obviously, we know Curtis Samuel uh, had an injury riddled season last year, uh, a mystery injury riddled season last year. Um, uh, Jamin Davis was a guy who obviously under underdeveloped or underperformed as a first round rookie last year. Uh, questions are about uh, him being overdrafted and whether he was worth that that pick at that first round pick versus where he was initially projected prior to shooting up in the draft board. Obviously, William Jackson came around, didn't play too well. Um, there was other players. Uh, who's the other first 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 year players in Washington that was struggling? Um, can't think of none right now off the top of my head. Those are the main three. But the floor is yours because uh, I may be missing some altogether. Uh, AJ, who are some returning players? And actually, now that I think about it, returning can just mean um, anybody on the team that was here last year. So it doesn't even have to be year two. But who are some people that has the most pressure to perform and to step their game up? Yeah, <clears throat> I think this might be in history the first four-way tie uh, ever. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's uh, Jamin Davis, Curtis Samuel, Diami Brown, and um william jackson i think those four those no matter of fact i'll take away william jackson i'll put antonio gibson uh i feel like we need to be able to see what diami brown can can do on the field with someone that has arm strength if he can create the separation and, and make plays and be a contributor on this team uh being that he was a third round pick wide receiver last year uh, alongside with Jamin Davis, can he be competent in, in a different position outside of playing middle linebacker? Uh, can he really use his athleticism to, you know, play the run, play the pass, and also, you know, possibly defend these these tight ends and running backs in the flats or different parts of the field? 
Um, then alongside with Antonio Gibson, just the fumbling, you know, being able yeah. to to run in between tackles and, and piles and, and using his vision a bit more to to hit these gaps. Um, yeah, I think that's where that's where it's like and oh Curtis Samuel, like can he be on the field? I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like he put up crazy numbers when he was with Carolina and when he did play, but if he can be on the field and, and be a weapon and, and utilize, you know, his his skill set of like the Percy Harvin type of package, Debo Samuel, whatever the case is, and do these jet sweeps and screen passes and, you know, make some plays happen after the catch, like that'd be an amazing addition to this offense. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I feel like it's four players all tied in the same position that not same position as far as groups, but just four players in general that all can fit this mode of the question that's, that's being asked. Now, you mentioned Diami, right? And I think Diami is probably a good – it's a good name to call out, but I think – um like, how are you weighing? Let's put. Yeah, I think that's better. How are you weighing his twenty twenty one season? Um, but also, what is a bounce back for a person who presumably would be uh, the fourth receiver if everybody is healthy? So, what does a bounce back season look like for Diami? But also, um, in relation to his twenty twenty one season, where he had injuries, and then I, I don't want to. That to be the first thing. I take that back. But he had an up and down production season, but then injuries took place. Uh, so a mix of uh, uncertainty about you know his his projection moving forward. But like, what is what does that bounce back season look like? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just being a contributor. I mean, he's now in a crowded wide receiver room, but at the end of the day, we also don't know if Curtis Samuel is going to be healthy. So that's why he's one of those guys in the Ford that would were mentioned. If he's not healthy, it'll allow Diamond Brown to get more touches and get more involved in this office as well. And adding his skill set, what we know them to be coming out of college, which is a burner alongside uh, Terry McLaurin and Jahad Dotson. So I think it's just, let's, let's see him, you know, get open, make some catches, possibly some touchdowns. Let's see him be a, a role player, like create your niche for yourself, being that you might be the four fifth wide receiver within that, that depth chart. But at the same token, we can't sit here and, and count on Curtis Samuel to play even two games at this point. So <laughs> we don't, we don't know what we're getting in that. Like at the end of the day, you just want to see that if any of these guys did happen to get hurt, God forbid, whether it be the Jihad Dawson, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, whoever, that you also have a guy on the roster that can fill in and, and contribute. Well, since you took four goddamn names, I'm going to take what Alex <laughs> said. <laughs> and I'm going to say Antonio Gibson, man. That's actually a really good uh, point. I've said this um, in some spaces. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, damn, I need more liquor, bro. I said <laughs> I said this in some spaces, um, and I believe I said this on a podcast recently as well. Um, I am of the belief that uh, if Brian Robinson is able to, and, and I'm going to use this quick example there, this isn't no real numbers. This is just for the sake of this conversation. Um, if Brian Robinson is able to take, say, well, AG actually had 240-something carries last year. 
So let's say 240, right? If age, if, if Brian Robinson is able to take um, 120 of those carries, then I think that uh, Washington is in a good shape and 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 get a, a good deal for the running back position, being able to uh, maximize Gibson's effectiveness, but also um, give a guy a running back who has better vision, who has the natural instincts of a running back, who's uh, quick in and, and being able to read a certain run schemes and run fronts, defensive fronts. I think that uh, somebody that effective coming out in year one as a rookie um, is going to be beneficial to this offense. But to Alex's point where he thinks that Gibson has a lot to prove and why I agree with him is that um, you mentioned early on, right? AJ is, is his fumbling issues. Uh, but also I think that his vision um, and his instincts isn't necessarily where it needs to be. Now credit to him this offseason. I believe he lost six or seven percent body fat. And I think that's important for a person who plays running back like him because um, I mean, look, if you can be quicker, if you can be a little bit more uh, uh, leaner and, and muscular uh, and in terms of uh, being able to take on hits, but also being able to move a little bit quicker with your body weight, because um, I, I don't know, uh, typically like when you can lose body fat, you can still pack on more pounds uh, and, and things like that. So I say all that to say, like, if you can if you can pack on the weight or lose some lose the body fat and be a little bit more quicker or whatever, however which way it, it works for you. I think losing that body fat is something where um, it's it's some it's uh, what's the word um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, um, damn, I'm drawing a blank on the word. Uh, I'm gonna get this word. Um, yeah, I can't even help you because I have no clue. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm by to. myself right now. I'm, I'm a, I, <laughs> I hate when this shit happens too. Like in real life, I'm a, I'm the person that I can't even move forward until I figure out what the word is. Um, that, well, I, that, I guess that I, I guess I'll start going with the Jeopardy music. Um, yeah, do that, do that. Um, and it's still, it's still killing me. Um, in something, in something. I quit, bro. I quit. Take the pressure off me. <laughs> Take the pressure off me. Oh my God. Hey, that stuff is so I, I swear to God, I'm gonna come out with a tweet later. And I'm be like, this was it. This was the word that I was thinking. Intangibles. Intangibles. Fuck. God damn. We waited oh two minutes God. for intangibles. Oh my God, bruh. The intangibles <laughs> is something that uh when you when you when something like this happens, when you have that that body fat decrease, that percentage decrease. Um, sometimes these things, you know, you can't really account for on face value, especially a person like me or, or anybody else who doesn't really deal with, um, like the, the science of the body, but a person that plays running back to that degree, when you lose that amount of body fat, like 18% is where I'm at. I'm at like 19. Now that I think about it. So he was, I'm, I'm not even a professional athlete. This motherfucker is a running back at 18%. So, um, I, I think that. Uh, those are uh, some some things that we can't really foresee right now, but we'll know when he steps on the field, like what it's able to do for him in terms of shedding that amount of body fat. Um, so I, I agree uh, a lot with what Alex is saying in terms of Gibson has a lot to prove. And I think part of um, actually acknowledging in terms of on Gibson's side and in terms of the coaching side is that one, the coaches drafted Brian Robinson in the third round and then two 
Gibson understands like you don't lose that amount of body fat in an offseason if you don't if if you if you think you're satisfied with where you're at. Like you know you had some work to do. Um so I think Alex, you brought up a good point, and I'm gonna keep giving credit to you on this one. Uh Gibson has a lot to prove in terms of uh moving forward in 2022 um and, and stepping his game up. So I, I think a, a, a trio with Gibson, Robinson, and, and McKissick can do wonders for this offense uh, from a run game standpoint, play action standpoint, and, and, and maybe designed <laughs> passes to the running backs. Um, that can also help these guys as well. So uh, I'm in full agreement. And Colin, stop laughing at me, man. I look, sometimes I struggle too, bro. Nah, I'm not <laughs> yeah, I mean, I <laughs> think I think it's really big for Gibson because if he doesn't ball out, he's not going to get an extension here, even though he got – he got another year remaining on his contract, but he's not going to get an extension here if he don't if he don't ball out because they definitely drafted a replacement for him. If this regime stays here, they def- definitely drafted his his replacement if he don't get it together. Yeah, um, and to be honest with you, you actually, you know what? I want I want this conversation to be yours. What is the percentage now for those when he responds? I don't. Don't take his percentages literally, but I want to get a ballpark of where he's at. You know, AJ has more skin in the game than I do, and you know, I leave it in that in that regard. But AJ, like, what is the percentages as far as you know where you see nowadays running backs or even certain skill positions reaching those second contracts with the team that they're that they were drafted by? Uh, I mean, it's is it's very hard for those guys to get second second deals uh but gibbs is in a position where i think he was like a fourth round pick those guys typically will get that that second deal if they end up being the starter and can carry their weight uh i mean we've seen it across the league with uh, a lot of these running backs whether it be the Le'Veon bells the alvin kamara's um trying to think even derrick henry was a, he was a, a, a second round pick uh, a lot of the top running backs in the league our our second or later picks, Aaron Jones. Uh I want to say Jonathan Taylor got drafted first round. Um keep going. I I'll let you know. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys that we consider top running backs in the league, Dalvin Cook, that were were drafted outside of the first round. So it just really boils down to the second success round. that you okay, yeah. So like I said, the top running backs in the league traditionally have not been first round picks. Um so those guys typically can get a, a new deal, may not be astronomical numbers, but you know, if you ball up, if you ball out and you show up, like you can definitely get paid. I just think Gibson put himself in a bad situation with the team. Uh well not the team, but Ron Rivera and staff when he started the fumbling and hitting such a high clip and not really showing that he's hitting certain certain uh goal uh gaps or whatever with his vision but that's also you know due to them putting him in a position to now be starring in a <laughs> in a position that he wasn't familiar with coming out of college i think he only had 30 carries in at memphis at running back so it's it, it also is due to coaching too like but randy jordan is a pretty good running back coach so i think it just really boils down to gibson to really show some emphasis in some like extra oomph like yo this is my job ain't nobody taking shit like i don't mind i don't mind giving 
Robinson some carries here and there in, in McKissick. But at the end of the day, RB1 is mine. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Colin, I do see you, big dog. Um, we are out of here, man. But again, we back, man. Football is back. Everybody's in the fold. Uh, Travel Dive Man is back full time for us. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday, we have the All 32 Side of Travel Dive podcast. And if you didn't hear the, uh, the announcement early on to start the show, uh, the Washington Commanders Morning Show, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube. So make sure you get your Commanders fix uh, in the morning with the Trapper Dive podcast. Uh, it's going to be you and me. It's going to be us. Make sure you tap in, man. I'll have the show link, show link in every, every show description so we can chop it up on whatever Commanders topic come to mind. What's up, AJ? Hail up? to the Commanders. Oh, my God. Hail victory. I was, I was surprised. Brad, did you? I didn't think they were going to go that route. Man, they I, I lazy. Really didn't think they were going to go that route. I already knew they was going to go that route. Like, they're, they're paying people over there to do nothing. Like, this, <laughs> everything is so lazy, bro. Like, if you're just going to ask the fan base to vote for shit, for everything, then why do, these people, why do people even have these jobs? Like, you put up a list of 90 players for fans to vote for, and then you don't put seven players on the list. Then you, you do let's vote for these songs. It's like, who are you really trying to reach here? If you're trying to reach a younger fan base, don't nobody want to hear no before Christ themed song. Like, don't nobody want to hear that. Thing. Like, get I'm away sorry. from one, anything. One thing about related. the 90 players, bro. Like, we understand RG3 had a, a, a great 2012 season, right? But do you know how detrimental that'll be to your list if you allow the fans to vote him in on the top 90? Like, do you know how this, like, how distant or i wouldn't say disingenuous but the the fact that you have a guy like that who had one season on there but you put him in your top 90 players of all time for one but, season but i mean i feel like he, i feel like he should be up there player. when you, I, I feel like he should be up there as an option to vote for if if i can vote for mike sellers why can't i vote for rg3 even mike, if it's just one season hey hey look my, i i get it but, <laughs> but look i'm gonna just i'm gonna tell you this right now and i People going to fucking get, they going to jump, they fucking stuff they nose up at me, but I would rather put Mike Sellers in than RG3. And here's, nah, but here's I'm, Otto. I, okay. I, I respect, like, if when you're, when you're doing a top 90 greatest list, I will respect a, a, a person or an organization that has uh, players with longevity, that has history to the team. Now, I understand the emotional side of RG3 being in for one season and, and what he meant with, what he meant to the team, if you saw him at his full potential, if you saw the team at his full potential with RG3 leading us, and, and that shit was uh, magical. But I'm not comparing the two players like directly, but I'm saying what Mike Sellers did for the team for X amount of years, for numerous years, versus what RG3 did for one year, I think that the list can get tainted. That's the word that I was thinking of, the these words. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get tainted when you're sitting there trying to pick ninety players like from the nineteen yeah, what thirties, forties, like how many people could you really pick? Like ninety? That's what I'm saying. Everything is being done in a lazy fashion. Like 
they they shouldn't yeah. give this up to the fans to vote for. They shouldn't be ninety players. Shouldn't be voting for a theme song where you just remove Redskins and put Commanders and hey, think all about this the stuff. new decade, bro. Like that when the 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 hundred players come through, like the the ninety one through one hundred. Like who's gonna be on that list? <laughs> right then, then you're sitting here. You're about to have fans vote for a mascot. Like if you want, if you want the team to be publicly owned, like the Green Bay Packers, just go for it. You feel me? Because at the end of the day, you're asking the fans to do every single thing instead of making the right decision. And then you already betrayed the fans' trust when you had them go through this whole process of a name change and and voting for that and and submitting stuff. And then you pick the weakest name, Commanders, like. That's so basic. Like that is a generic team building Madden. If you were ever to create a team, like it's just like at the end of the day, I I don't know what's going on over there, but none of the things that they're doing is attracting the younger fans that are going to grow up to continue to root for the team and, and love them. Like everything is so old fashioned and bland. Like you're not even really seeing a true rebrand here. Like there's nothing exciting that's being done nothing like it's just it's just i mean i come from a marketing world too so it's like i just don't get it it's like i'm gonna allow the fans to vote on everything god damn like what are what is my team doing what do you like, stand on if you allow them if you if well, i understand inclusion you understand transparency but what do you really hey bruh <laughs> What do you really stand on if you allow the fans to have um, the final say on everything that you do? And I and I 100% agree and understand what you're saying, man. It's it get, it can get frustrating, um, and it can get uh, you can start questioning like, do you do you understand the lane or the path that you're going down when you allow um, the fan base to uh, direct you in whichever way uh, that they want to direct you? Because fan bases aren't stable, and if you open up like just and I'm not saying everybody is stupid or smart. I'm just saying you're never going to get a consensus because there's so much um, uh, opinion, varying opinions uh, within a fan base. So what do you, what do you as an organization stand for? And that's kind of something. And, that and you're opening, you're opening the door for people that aren't even fans to vote on something that will have something to do with fans. If you put it on a public website, anybody in a mama can go on there and vote. Yeah. No bullshit. That's the same. Like you just making a you just for name submissions. Yeah, like you just making a mockery. You making a mockery of the team. Like, how about no fight song? Like, who the hell needs a fight song? Like, this is this is 2022. Like, just go out there and win some fucking games. Like, That's care about no damn fight song. Too. And even when I watched the presser today, they they asked Ron Rivera about the fight song. He didn't even know the options. <laughs> like, he was like, I hadn't heard it. Good, good, man. He focusing on football. That's what we all supposed to do at this point. Focus on football. And, and to your point, AJ, uh, when you talk about the youth or the, the, the younger generation, it all comes down to winning at this point. Because if you ain't, it don't matter what the hell you're doing on the side to kind of get these guys involved. But if you ain't winning, then it don't really mean shit uh, for us or for the team itself. Um, yeah. So, like you got a male, you got a male cheerleading team, like. <laughs> Like, bro, they ain't nobody going, going to no game to watch no dudes jump up and down cheering for a team, bro. Like, oh, this is just so frustrating from a marketing standpoint because it's like so many opportunities within this major market 
to make this thing really look good alongside if they win. And it's just like, it's just a failure. It's just, it just sucks being a, a lifelong fan and, and seeing how they're maneuvering with this rebrand. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, um, look, training camp is here, man. Football is around the corner tomorrow. You'll get your first actions of everything, Washington Commanders. Um, and then tomorrow night, all 32, but I'll be back again on Friday with the morning show. Uh, we're going to check in and have all training camp updates, man. Maybe even do an interview to start the thing off. I don't know. Uh, we'll see, you know, 7 a.m. different time. You know what I'm saying? We on grind time out here. So who knows if anybody want to fuck with us uh, in the morning. You going live at 7 a.m.? Hell yeah. 7 a.m. Look, I'm up at 4.30 every day, AJ. I'm up at 4.30. So that don't mean nothing to me. Like when I send okay, those text messages to y'all, okay, sports that, junkies. Chat, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, when I send sports them junkies. Text messages, bro. I probably be up for. I, I probably already been up for like two hours. So it is. I will it not is, be up at seven a.m. But good luck to everybody that will be checking in with the Trap of Dive hey, podcast people, in the morning. Yeah, people gonna be. God bless y'all. You know what I'm saying they gonna need something to tap into. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> but with that being said, man, we are gonna go ahead and tap out. Uh, last thing, man, the quarter of the week. Quarter of the week, man. The hardest truth about hope, it makes you continue and it makes you suffer. That's from Maxime Lagisi. Uh, I probably butchered her last name, but Maxime Lagisi. Uh, so, yeah, we out of here. Y'all be safe. Enjoy y'all night. Enjoy y'all day. Whenever you're listening, peace. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gonna pick it off. You gonna let him hit the hole or you gonna cut it off? You gonna play through fourth and long or you gonna punt it off? Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap or Dive.